Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with the June 6th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1990 with the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. Before we get started with today's broadcast, I can't let the date of June 6th go by without thinking about what the Allied troops must have gone through on another June 6th, seven, eight years ago. That was D-Day during World War II, June 6th, 1944. When the ramps of their landing craft swung open and they were faced with the withering gunfire from the bluffs along the Normandy coast in France, we should never forget the sacrifices they made that morning or the sacrifices that men and women in uniform continue to make every day. If you're a baby boomer like myself, you may have a mom or dad, an aunt or an uncle, perhaps a neighbor, who fought in either D on D-Day on, on one of those beaches, or somewhere else in, in Europe or the Pacific Theater. I certainly, they never forgot those experiences, and I have never forgotten the stories that they've told me about those experiences. And now let's talk about today's broadcast. This podcast will be offering a sneak preview of some of the most interesting findings in the Electrical Wholesaling's Top 150 Distributors Ranking that will be published this month. We'll be talking about what distributors are seeing in price increases by, by specific product categories, the lead times that they're seeing in specific product categories, and their take on revenue opportunities from EV charging stations and the Biden infrastructure bill. We will also check out some weekly economic indicators that can offer you an idea of where the market may be headed. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series for 2022. For the week ending May the 28th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 200,000, a decrease of 11,000 from the previous week's revised level. That previous week's revised level was revised up by 1,000 from 210,000 up to 211,000. The unemployment rate for the U.S. through the month of April is 3.6%. These four states had the biggest decreases in unemployment claims for the week ending May the 28th. Kentucky was down 3,516. Pennsylvania's claims decreased 2,206. Georgia was down 1,983. And Florida was down 1,801 claims. On the flip side, let's look at the five states that had the most unemployment claims for the week ending May the 28th. They are still comparatively moderate to what we've seen over the past year. California had an increase of 2,529 claims. Mississippi was up 1,797 claims. New York was the only other state with uh, increasing claims of over 1,000. It logged in with 1,027 claims. Oklahoma was up 753 claims. And Michigan was up 546 claims. One of the more interesting leading economic indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. It's a leading economic indicator. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR, which publishes this data weekly. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 514,277 carloads and intermodal units. That's down 3% compared with the same week last year. For the month of May, combined U.S. carload and intermodal units were 
2,031,300. That's down 4% or 85,079 carloads in internal motor units from May 2021. According to American Association of Railroads, John T. Gray, their senior vice president, rail traffic volumes in May reflected an economy that is a mixture of good and not so good. Auto production and auto carloads seem to be recovering slowly while crushed stone and sand and food-related volumes are showing strength. Intermodal units has had the best month since June 21st. On the other hand, carloads of chemicals fell for the first time in more than a year in May, while grain volumes continue to be disappointing when compared to those of 2021 and the latter half of 2020. For the week ending May the 28th, most of the freight categories were in the red again. Petroleum and petroleum products once again showed the biggest year-to-date declines versus this time last year with a 15.4% decline. Grain was down 10.3%. Total intermodal units were down 6.6% and metallic ores and minerals were down 6.4%. Leading the freight categories with the gains were chemicals at 6.1%, coal at 5.4%, and non-metallic minerals at 5.7%. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes recount, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are up burning. This data is available by state, by basin and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil players are in Texas and Oklahoma and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. There wasn't much change in the weekly Baker Hughes rig count, so I thought we could take a look at the rig count from some, a different perspective. This slide shows the Baker Hughes rig count in total and by oil and by gas, if looking back over the past 11 years. It's interesting to note that while the rig count in total for oil rigs has increased steadily over the past few months, they're still not up to their pre-COVID numbers in 4Q 2019. You have to figure that the oil rig count tracks the price of oil pretty closely, and these two slides prove that. The slide on the left shows the Baker Hughes rig count over the past 10 years, while the slide on the right shows the West Texas Intermediate crude oil prices and it's measured by a weekly moving average. They have a pretty similar shape as you can see, so they do track things fairly closely, although there's certainly a lot of chatter right now on why the rig count has increased even more considering the surging oil prices. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's the leading economic indicator for future economic activity. Copper is used in many different industries with the construction industry among the leading markets because of its use in wiring cable and copper plumbing pipe. Copper prices are surging again. Uh, on the Monday, the June 6th, the COMEX copper price opened at $4.55 per pound. While prices are up over the past several days, they're still not quite up to the levels that we saw just after the start of the Ukraine war when they topped $4.90. Now let's check out what more than 100 of the nation's largest electrical distributors had to say in Electrical Wholesaling's 2022 Top 150 survey. Let's hear what they're talking about when it comes to the frequency of price increases by product category which products are getting hard, hardest hit by long lead times, the potential of EV charging systems, and whether or not funding from the Biden infrastructure bill is yet to hit the market in the areas with the most direct impact on the electrical business. Let's first take a look at what the top 150 distributors had to say on price increases, and, what, and let's look, take a look at those by specific product categories. 
when we asked our distributor respondents how many price increases had they seen recently for these electrical products, wire and cable was the one that stuck out as having seen more than monthly price increases. That was up over the well over the 40% mark. Uh, the products that they had seen an increase almost every quarter for, during the past year that were up over 50% included commercial lighting fixtures, load centers, switch gear, transformers were up over 40%, wall boxes were up over 40%, and LED lighting controls were up also up over 40%. When we asked the top 50 distributors what were the average lead times they had seen by these specific product categories, the one category that stood out with the longest lead times was switchgear. And the over 50% said they were experiencing lead times of more than six, six months or more, which is just totally astronomical as far as I can see. I've never seen something like that as long and close to 40 years that I've been reporting on the market for electrical wholesaling. Uh, we had uh, Lead times of 30% or less, uh, wire and cable, fairly small lead times, uh, 30 days or less, as I mentioned, it was over the 40% mark. LED lamps were over 40%. Conduit fittings also seeing lead times of 30 days or less, and it's about 40% of respondents reporting in at that. And steel conduit also reporting in 40% said 30 days or less lead times. I was pretty surprised by the findings that we had for the electric vehicle charging stations. Top 150 distributors are already seeing very solid activity from EV chargers. 57% said they, they, their customers are already installing them for local businesses, parking lots, and shops. 48% they said they already have customers installing them for local governments, mass transit applications, and in school and university applications. The not as active yet in the areas of the high-speed charging installations along interstates, with only 13% of our distributors saying that their customers are working in, on these applications, and about 38% saying their their customers are already installing EV chargers. I think it's going to be real interesting here where top 150 distributors think their electrical contractor customers are at with EV chargers in the next top 150 survey. And part of that is when you think of the, the, all the different types of new electric vehicles that are going to coming over and above some of the things that we've had for quite some time, like a Tesla's fleet of companies, the uh, Chevy Bolt's been on the market for a while, Nissan Leaf. I think we're going to start seeing some more interest in the EV market because of all the new more things coming out. We've got the uh, Ford has got their Lightning F-150 uh, for the luxury vehicle market. You've got the Lucid uh, car. You've got the Rivian vans. I think there's going to be quite a bit of activity. So I'm going to definitely ask the uh, distributor audience the exact same question next year on a survey, and I'll be interested to see how these numbers change. Uh, while I was surprised to see how active the electric vehicle charging station market already is, I was very surprised to see how inactive the uh, market is as far as where they've seen spending from the infrastructure bill and some of the key areas of the bill that eventually will be financed by it. The, the market segments include uh, high-speed broadband, electric vehicle renovation, there'll be money coming eventually into electric vehicle charging stations. Uh, there's money expected to, or part of the bill that will be coming eventually into expansion or retrofit of traditional infrastructure projects. That's like roads and bridges and rail ports and airports. Uh, there's also money being set aside for to build and preserve retro and retrofit homes and commercial buildings and modernize schools, 
childcare facilities, upgrade vet veterans hospitals and federal buildings. Uh, what we found in the survey, though, is that the only category where more than 20% of respondents said funds were flowing for the VA hospitals and federal buildings. For most categories, more than 50% of respondents had not seen any spending in the categories at all. As you can see on the chart there, some of these are quite high, um, over no spending at all yet, over the 70% mark for the, the broadband. Uh, no 67% uh, said no spending yet seen yet for utility grid expansion. Uh, to build, preserve, and retrofit homes and commercial buildings, 72% said no spending. Same number for modernizing schools and child health care facilities, 72% not seen spending. So there, this is going to take a while for this to get in the market. We'll also survey the top 150 distributors again, uh, probably with our market planning guide survey this year. So we'll get like a kind of a mid-year check on that. And also next year with the top 150 to see when the funds will start to flow. Because when they do hit the market, it's going to be substantial. And I'm certain that distributors and their customers are going to be able to take advantage of them. That concludes our presentation for today. A special thanks again to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the today's Electrical Economy podcast series in 2022. Please give me a shout if there's any other type of economic data you'd like us to be covering in this podcast or any news items that you'd like to hear, hear our perspective on as well. Our next presentation will be scheduled for Monday, the 20th of June. Until that time, stay healthy, be happy. I look forward to talking with you in two weeks. Take care.